Hi, and welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, we talk Alexa Demi, Demi Lovato, Kyle Richards, and Teddy Mellencamp, and then Steph's got the story of Bob Marley. Everything gonna be Irie. Stay tuned, man. What up, fam? What up, fam? Feels good, right? Feels good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And without further ado, uh, we broadcast live from CA to NY. <laughs> Have you seen this thing about Alexa Demi? No. Or Demi, oh, is that how you pronounce oh, her name? Like, yeah, that everybody's me. shocked that she like knows people. No, no, no. But they're shocked because... Uh, a She's 25? This is the bitch from Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. and mid-90s. Oh, she was in. I still haven't seen mid nineties. Oh, it's all right. It's cool because it's like it's one of those movies. Yeah, but you know, but uh, you you've seen that movie before. That's what I was gonna say. What's the one with Zoe uh, Kravitz? That's like was kind of like hip hop y nineties. I don't Do remember. You remember. Oh, that one was good, but I imagine it's the same thing, but not as good as that one. Anyway, it's like a PG kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is exactly like the movie I'm thinking of. Man, I wish I remembered the name of this fucking movie. Anyway. So she has been claiming to be like 24, 25 or something, but turns out she's like 29. So- <laughs> oh, I didn't know that that was the drama. I just thought everybody was like, God, like she they thought she was like 18 and it turns out she's 25. I didn't know what was going on because she was profiled in one of the magazines. I want to say like Vanity Fair when Euphoria was on and they're like, you know, 24 year old Alexa, whatever. And then, like, so somebody on Earth, and by the way, she went to Marshall High School, which is my... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like right there. Yeah. Anyway, so she, somebody unearthed her yearbook or some shit. This bitch graduated in, like, 2008. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Damn. She looks young as fuck. She looks so young. So then people started to unearth, like... Pictures of pictures her, of her with like yeah. Nicki Minaj like ten years ago and shit. Kim Kardashian with yep. her first ass and shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That was funny. I saw that going viral and I was like, why is everybody mad? The meme is so funny. It'll be like um Alexis to me like leaving the last supper and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize people were still lying about their age. Like you I you see that joke on like I Love Lucy and shit, and I just didn't realize people were still doing that. Yeah, especially in yeah in this day and age, I don't know. But oh. p- women still have a problem with their age, especially like in my line of work. Oh, really? They, o- yeah, often they talk about it, and like they're always upset about birthdays. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't know. Every year is a blessing, man. You should just be happy that we're on this earth for this long. Oh, seriously. Anyways, Demi Lovato broke up with her man after two months of being engaged. <laughs> two long months. <laughs> Damn, you got engaged and broke up in quarantine? Yeah, that shit's crazy, Damn, dude. you're doing the most. I know. Do you think she has to give that full of ring back? Um, You know, I think that once it's given to you, it's yours. And you get to decide like what you want to do with it. But I think, like, it would be, uh, like, manners, like, yes. you should give it back, right? Right, right. That's oh, how I feel. Okay. All right. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, Halal has been looking at Cartier watches, mm-hmm. and I told him to relax. Like, I started getting mad. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? You need to fucking relax. Like, we got other things we need to spend money on right now. Yeah. 
not your stupid ass little watches. <laughs> and I, I was like kind of mad about it. And then he was like, you know what? I spent a lot of money on your engagement. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, this entitles me to a Cartier, wa- a low level Cartier watch. And I was like, okay, tell me how much money you spent on my engagement ring. And he was like, no, I can't. You're not supposed to. And I was like, well, then we'll never know how much money you get and for I, your, your fucking Cartier watch then. I know how much you spent. I know, and I told her, I was like, I'm going to ask May, because she has to know. And he was like, she won't tell me. <laughs> well, clearly doesn't know where my allegiance is live. No. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> oh, speaking of rings, did you see um, Kyle Richards? What about her? So she... Oh, God damn it, yes! Yeah, so Kyle Richards from... Uh, 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Not easy, yo. It's one of our shows. <laughs> yeah, one of the shows we watch. Uh, Beverly, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She, uh, if you guys remember, like, maybe like two seasons back, had just mm-hmm. bought a brand new house and then immediately got robbed. Yeah. It of, was like, bad. Like, all her shit. Like, like a it million was, dollars worth of shit. Oh, yeah, like, it was fucked up. And remember, Lisa um, Vanderpump got her a uh, new Chanel. Yeah. That was so sweet. Like, the first time they went to lunch. That's yeah. cool. Like, I mean, that's what you do, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. But damn, yeah, like, a little Chanel. That's uh-huh. just sick. <laughs> See, in those situations, I think, like, how funny, because she was like, all my shit was stolen. And, yeah, I think that fucking sucks, especially when you buy, like, these expensive designer things yeah. that you intend on holding on to mm-hmm. but i remember her being like but what really hurts is like my like i had stuff from my mom yes and so then like then you remember what fucking matters in this world like no for real and also i mean i was i mean it's not my shit so th- take this with the greatest salt but i was like you know what really hurts though like not to lose your shit but like to you just moved into this place and now you feel unsafe oh you'll never feel i mean there's no fucking way you i would know? never move in there yeah Anyways, so so she had this massive robbery happen. So then I guess like a few weeks ago, uh, Diane who was Keaton. It? Diane <laughs> Keaton, of all people. Why don't you tell the story, May? It's my fucking... Okay, oh. so Diane Keaton posted a picture of her psychic, like of her psychic's hands. And- no, no, it was a random psychic oh, on okay. Santa Monica Boulevard. Okay, of some rando psychic's hands and on the hands Kyle Richards spots her ring that was stolen at that like house robbery isn't that fucking crazy that's insane so i was just reading the story because i also th- i thought it was first i thought it was that one psychic bitch ha- that uh-huh. had even appeared uh-huh. that bitch was like your, your, yeah your husband will never be will never make you happy or some shit yeah <laughs> she had like a show for a second or something i thought it was that bitch but then it, i was wrong and then it was like uh kyle said that she had hired because they reached out to diane keaton i guess works with mauricio at the agency what or like mauricio work, works for oh, her okay okay my bad that's what i mean mm-hmm. um and so like mauricio reached out to her to try to locate like who the psychic was they couldn't locate her they even fucking like hired a private investigator and she kyle was like i'm not saying that this woman had anything to do with the robbery i just want to know maybe like what pawn shop right, right. she bought it from and that's obviously i mean yeah. you think a psychic broke into your house or whatever the Come fuck no, no. <laughs> she had a fucking premonition that you're gonna be gone right. that day nah <laughs> it's called uh the bling ring not the bling <laughs> crystal ball am i right <laughs> <laughs> <It's stupid. laughs> 
<laughs> so where's the story at? They're still looking for that bitch? Yeah, so like I guess they couldn't find her. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. What are the odds of that? That's fucking That's so crazy. Fucking wild. What a small ass world, right? Wow. Imagine you're Kyle and you're just browsing Instagram. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Clapping back at some people responding at some shit, and then you're like, hold up, wait Seriously. a minute. Was it like one of the 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 for real like the like the ones that her mom gave her? I don't know. She didn't I, talk like, about it. Yeah, she didn't specify oh. what ring it was or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Diane Keaton. I know <laughs> what a random fucking thing. <laughs> I don't like Diane Keaton because she macked on Keanu in that movie Something's Got to Give. So ever since then, I've been like, fuck Diane Keaton. <laughs> that movie's kind of cute. It's all right. It could be better. <laughs> it's corny. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, Frances McDormand for, like, being, what, fourth build in oh, that movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why she did that. She must be homies. Playing against type. Yeah. With somebody, right? And I mean, like, an easy paycheck. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Good Girl, for her. T- did you guys need a second home? Go I ahead. Know. Yeah. Fuck. I mean. Good for her. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, a big scandal this week happened with Teddy Mellencamp, Teddy Joe Mellencamp, daughter of John Mellencamp. Her middle name is Joe, right? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Teddy Joe, a- Bobby Joe, Billy Joe. What a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, I hate pe- to admit it, but she's kind of pretty. Oh, oh, Teddy? Yeah. yeah no, she, she is like pretty. A, she got like a cute little nose. Yeah, she's pleasant looking i just hate she's that fine bitch. she's fine she's just whatever she's just too self-conscious too like i don't she know she is too self-conscious i do want to i feel bad for her this season because she was knocked up and so like i know that had to do with like all the <laughs> mm-hmm. crying and shit yeah but i do i i'm not about a crying ass bitch i'm sorry <laughs> she actually <laughs> cried less this season than in previous season so that's what annoys me about kyle too mm, she's always yeah. fucking that's, crying because that's shit. how she she's gonna get out of something you know kyle yeah. like the pressure's getting too hot and like kyle's just gonna start fucking crying yeah like you know you've never had a real ass problem right like this is why mm-hmm. you're fucking crying over some stupid ass shit your house got robbed cry over that and, and your man's got low key robbed too like i don't know somebody's <laughs> robbing him every tuesday and thursday between the hours of 7 a.m and 10 a.m when you're at yoga or some shit she might be all right with that <laughs> she probably is anyway um, so teddy joe mellencamp has um she's like a low-key like a life coach type thing she, oh. she doesn't use that phrase but that's what the fuck it is what is her th- program called all in all in oh, by all teddy in. so what they do the way it's represented on the show is she's an a, a quote-unquote accountability coach so that's right that's right if you want to achieve certain goals in your life mostly revolving around fitness fitness and weight loss yeah she'll and she and her team will quote-unquote keep you accountable by like uh, making you uh like text them what you're eating that day like Um, they ask for pictures and shit even mm -hmm. like they're really on top of it for someone that wants that you know right so it turns out people have been doing some digging into this and it's like a really fucked up program with like not really scientifically based nutritionally based no one at all in has a nutritional a science or a nutrition background they're having these women mostly women subsist on like anywhere from 500 calories a day to a thousand calories a day, which is extremely 
crazy terrible also keep in mind that these people are also working out like fucking crazy every single day yeah i think like the lowest calories you can eat is like 1400 and that's like that's like crazy and that that's like not counting like if you work out you need to eat more than that right yeah so it's just like a very unhealthy and teddy has been kind of open about having uh disordered eating because she used to be heavy i guess at some yeah, point heavier yeah anyway so people are like damn like you should know that this isn't cool what you're doing to these people right. it's like the very first thing anytime anybody who's ever googled a diet the very first thing is like please consult your doctor right, <laughs> right. None, of these, none of these people involved are doctors oh god or and even nutritionists or anything nothing. and you're paying like a shit ton yeah and okay so then there was like an expose done at over at the cut shout out to the cut you know when oh, there's an expose the at the cut yeah. anyway there was like an expose happening over at the cut and like dozens of people first of all to join you have to sign an nda so i mean what yeah really mm-hmm. damn so there were people anonymously saying what it was like over at the cut and they were saying that some of the women were uh you were asked to when you applied to get in like they asked for photos and they rejected some women because of how they looked like before they even started you know they're like what? oh you don't have that all in look what the fuck does that mean Ugh, they only want a certain clientele i'm guessing rich white pretty oh basic oh so for, there was that pumpkin spice lattes exactly fall. blue macaws <laughs> <laughs> beige cardigans <laughs> fabulous <laughs> so so there was that and then you know then they started digging into how healthy or should i say unhealthy this whole program is and then they discovered that it's also like a pyramid scheme oh no yeah it's an mlm because the ultimate goal is for you to become an accountability coach within the all-in system damn so this, teddy mellencamp out here scamming scamming it's the, yeah. sometimes it's the one you least expect i know <laughs> low-key respected might like her a little bit more now <laughs> so all of this is sort of happening in the background of the last month or so and you know, she took to Twitter and to her Instagram talking, like defending her system. Like, oh, yeah. you know, there's I've changed the lives of X amount of people. And I have so many satisfied clients that will tell you that the all in system works for them. Blah, 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 blah. But then it turned out that her husband, Edwin, decided that he was trying to dox like some of the people that were working at the expose over at the cut and at other publications. So he tried to get his employees to publicize these women, they're mostly women that were reporting on this, their personal phone numbers and start like <gasps> harassing these reporters. Damn, he's hella ride or die. He is, huh? Yeah. So then someone outed him for doing that. And I, the word on the street is that's the, the straw that broke the camel's back at Bravo that they were like, oh, you know what? We can't have them on the show. And then her contract wasn't renewed. She was fired. Yeah, there was always, there were these rumors already that Teddy was going to be like, oh, she's not like, great she's not good tv no she's there's no like i don't know i don't know i, I don't want to be fucked up completely but like i feel like there's no redeeming quality about her because mm -hmm. everybody has something right, right. like i don't know L like my girl erica jane 
I feel like oh, come on. doesn't have a whole lot of storyline. Like no, and she like is really good at steering clear of the drama. Yes, which like yeah. I mean, what are you doing? Like that's not the point of being on this show. But her little like her little interviews, her clapbacks and stuff after the fact, they're yeah. always really great. Yeah, she's smart, witty. She has her great personality, and she's got amazing an amazing closet. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's something with Dorit too. Where it's yeah. like I'll watch I'll that watch, bitch yep. just to see what she's got to put on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Kyle has like the Hilton connection right. and all sorts of drama there, and mm-hmm. that's amazing. Plus, Kyle's just been there long, right. a long time now, so like she has all these connections with She's like the glue. side people. Yeah, ooh, the- Kyle, you know Kyle's sad as fuck about Teddy not making it. Back. I know, I know. They're gonna get her the fuck out of there. Watch, I think they're gonna yeah. g- gang up on her this next oh, season yeah she's not gonna make it she's mm-hmm. gonna be like i'm done plus mauricio is making fucking bank now yeah. and mm-hmm. so she doesn't really need it did you see that uh chef the loader and monica were talking about us watching sister wives yes yes yeah <laughs> i want to like niner niner yeah 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 uh i want to like i I've always like been interested in that show just because I like the idea of that show. Seems yeah, yeah. like it has a lot of drama that could come with it, but I've never started it. And how many seasons deep is that shit now? Yeah, super deep. I will yeah. say this is not a show that I like super watch, but I I know what the fuck is going on. And the reason that I can't really get into it is because that man disgusts me so much, Cody. Oh really? Yeah, the husband. It, on that's that the show? husband. Yeah, yeah. I hate and him it's so much. It's always been him. It's always been him. Yeah. I like he's so disgusting to me that I'm just like, Ugh, what are these women doing with him? It's and shit. hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That shit's wild, dude. I know. You think you can be in a plural marriage? No, bitch. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I just told you last week that I could have. That's like my most stressful thing about being gay is that I couldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't want my ex to date a friend. <laughs> I was laughing when I reheard that. I was like, man, I hope nobody gets mad at me. <laughs> I think I could I could be in a plural marriage. I mean, it depends. Like definitely not like in the beginning when you're all like super in love with your partner, but you have like, to like come into it like that. Like you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. know that that's the gonna be the arrangement from the get go. Right. And then like see like i don't know like i mean then like if you're even comfortable with that and try it out and it works out that's cool yeah i just know myself that i wouldn't even right. i would be like no i can't i'm not yeah. even trying this out mm-hmm. i'm sorry this is like bewitched at nick at night i'm not even <laughs> give, give you a fucking shot i'm changing the channel asap <laughs> i for sure can't have two husbands because like oh god okay oh, who the fuck I'll wants go- that nobody got time for two men it's like one <laughs> or less yes. no for sure yeah like <laughs> i feel you i can't remember there was like some rumor going ar- around about rihanna at some point this was like years ago like that she was somebody's side piece or something and then somebody responded like damn rihanna don't even want her own man <laughs> yeah fuck is she still with that guy that billionaire guy no they broke up they did yeah. i always remember those pictures of them like fighting all crazy and then macking all crazy <laughs> i'm like oh fuck. <laughs> that's intense that's why the line is called savage yep savage x fenty oh. 
Did you see that going viral on like Twitter because they came out with like men's briefs and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> so all these guys were saying they were going to become savage uh, ambassadors or whatever. <laughs> and people started dragging them like they're going to have doo doo stains on their fucking bottom. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. What's up with you, man? Why can't you wipe your ass? I don't know. That's so weird. Or like just change your underwear. Like, for real right like yeah. you you were wearing that shit that's disgusting <laughs> what's wrong with you you know what i think it is it's like they don't want to they also just don't want to go the extra mile to have like some baby wipes or uh-huh, like yeah. or you can take bidet. like one extra step mm-hmm. yeah oh let me tell you about the emmys oh the, yeah which i recorded and then because it got good reviews so like a day or two later i was like okay i gotta watch the emmys because they got really great reviews it was fucking weird to me yeah i mean it seemed weird from the get-go i wasn't really first of all i fucking didn't even realize it was the emmys i was like Mm -hmm. oh shit it's the emmys today and then it was like not easy to find like it usually is on like it streams on hulu yeah yeah and like i never, i don't have a cable so like i never record it but i can always watch it streaming after Mm -hmm. and i couldn't fucking find it yeah, it was weird. It's like... I like Jimmy Kimmel, though. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel seems like a decent dude. Yeah, he's fine. Except that whole man show thing. But oh, yeah. He's yeah. Fine. yeah, he seems like a different person from back then, though. Yeah, I bet he's embarrassed about that shit. Yeah. So it's Not like, like... I bet What's-His-Face still thrives Adam, on that. Adam Carolla? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that fool has like a, a bronze t- statue of tits in his house or something. Yeah, for sure. So it was like... Um, I don't know. It's just... It was strange. First of all, it was strange because Shit's Creek like swept. So then, yeah, which is, I mean, that's fine. That's okay. I don't have a problem with that. It's just that like it seemed, especially in a setting like the way it was set up this year, where people can't, you know, celebrate around each other and stuff. Like in a normal year, you'd see like, uh, you know, Julia Roberts being like, "Oh my god," and like hugging. It's, yeah, this was just like. I don't know. It was like, okay, so they're just going to have their own little award ceremony then? Like, because <laughs> that's part of like what's the best thing is like seeing everybody all together in yeah. that room. Mm-hmm. Like when they cut to commercial break and you see people talking to each other and shit. Yep. And you're yeah. like, oh, are they talking shit about somebody? And like, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So it didn't have any of that charm. And yeah, that's all exciting. And stuff. Yeah. And then there was something like real sad about seeing people lose also when they're not there. Did you see Rami post the. Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> the the hazmat suit so there was like somebody there with the emmy at your house if Mm -hmm. you were like gonna be streaming in and then if you lost they just like leave in their little hazmat suit (laughs) (laughs) this world is so fucked yo (laughs) yeah so it was weird like don't don't watch it or anything just see who won like the winners i was excited for zendaya Oh, yeah, me too. That was awesome. And I fucking love her and I love that show. So, yeah, she's so cute. I wanted her to win because everybody, who was it? Big Little Lies? It was like Reese. Mm-hmm. Was it Zoe? I don't remember. No, it wasn't. It was, um, was it Big Little Lies? Yeah, it was oh, like yeah. Reese and it was like Jennifer Aniston for that one show. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, man, let's end day with this shit. What I did love was that you see people on Twitter not knowing what an upset was. Yes, that was so ridiculous. So some, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter posted that Zendaya won in an upset. It was an upset win, and then right. people started responding like, like <laughs> it, "We are not upset." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, right? Yeah. Like yeah, like they didn't get it. I like this is a very common phrase. I don't. 
It's just because they're stupid. Twitter's so fucking dumb, dude. Stan Twitter, I think. I think it's I know. Stan Twitter that's dumb. I read. Did you see that thing going viral that said only twenty percent of the U.S. population has a Twitter, and like that doesn't even mean they're active, right? So like, <laughs> we're really seeing like this. It's like this tiny niche world, and Twitter mm-hmm. acts like it is like the whole fucking world. Yeah, exactly. I, st- I still love Twitter though. Yeah. Oh, that's my Twitter is my is my bay forever. I know. I'm gonna get the bird tattooed on my ass. Problematic bay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Trump getting booed? Yeah, fuck that fool. <laughs> Good. Stupid ass. I wonder what his his girl tells him like when they leave. She's probably like, they, see, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> no, they don't speak at all. I bet you yeah, like she doesn't even like look at him. Yeah, she hates that fool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Me too. Yep. <laughs> big up, big up the whole island massive. It's your boy Chetana coming straight from the Golden Globes, you know what I'm what's up everyone my name is stephanie and my name is may and this is the drama club (laughs) this is the podcast about celebrities gossip pop culture pop pop music (laughs) scandals uh what else awards movies tv yeah and more Hey. Oh, I watched The Duchess on Netflix. That just slaps. You guys should watch it. How many episodes? It's like eight or something. It's very doable. Okay, cool. Um, not like we got anything else to do also. Right. So. Yeah. What else real. have I seen? I don't remember now. Oh, well, I, what I'm about to talk to you guys about. So. Ooh, okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm up this week and I'm going to talk about Bob Marley. Hey, walk, something walk, Jamaica. Light. Yeah, something light, lighter. I mean, it's still sad, but right but I was, my last one was like fucking awful downer right oh man we should have got chet hanks to phone in for this episode oh my god man like i mean <laughs> more than anything in this world oh also pen 15 came out season two you guys gotta watch that shit. you got to it's so fucking good i want to rewatch it i just watched yeah, me it too. <laughs> um so for this i watched the documentary marley which is on showtime but so like i watch it on hulu because if you pay a little bit more you know you get showtime yeah it's unnecessarily long as fuck it's like almost three hours Mm -hmm. anyways and then i also watched who shot the sheriff which is on netflix right now also and that one's cool it's like 50 minutes the fuck who shot the sheriff (laughs) you you have showtime you don't watch black monday no what is that it's so fucking funny it's just like a little half hour comedy from the creator of happy endings Oh, shit. Yeah, I should watch it. And it's starring Don Cheadle and... Um, well, I, well, actually, I was going to say I like Don Cheadle and I actually I might step back on that. <laughs> and um, Homegirl, what's her name? Um, Every time I see him in a show, I think he's good. But as a person, he seems kind of like dickish to me. Mm. Remember could... we saw him at the Grammy Museum? Yeah. And he was kind of uptight. Regina Hall. Oh, that's what's up. And she's fucking real funny. Yeah, I'll watch I'll watch that for sure. It's funny that you say that because I've been watching New Girl mm-hmm. and What's His Face is on it. Um, yeah, Damon Wayans Jr. <laughs> yes. And it's just like funny, like if you because if you watch the show, like you like you can tell when he leaves to go do happy endings mm-hmm. and then you can tell when happy endings got <laughs> fucking canceled and he came back. Anyways, OK, so Robert Nesta Marley was born on February 6, 1945, on his grandfather's farm in Nine Mile, Jamaica. Hey, 
Robert Nestamali, the (laughs) original rude boy. Um, His father was a white Jamaican, meaning his uh, his ancestry lies within Europe mostly. Mm -hmm. He was over 60 years old when Bob was born. And Bob's mom was like 18 years old. Oh. His dad worked a plantation and was often away. So he really didn't spend much time with Bob or his wife. He did end up marrying Bob's uh, mom. But he supported them both financially until Bob was 10 when he suddenly died of a heart attack at age 70. I mean, you know, suddenly in like 19 what something. (laughs) People used to die of heart attacks, which is crazy to me because like I feel like every day he comes back from work and he's like, yeah, one of my patients had a heart attack. I'm like, how are they? He's like, oh, he's fine. We discharged him. (laughs) (laughs) People still die of heart attacks, but it's like, you know, a 70-year-old man and 19, what, 40-something? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. So Marley's mom remarried to a civil servant named Ed Booker, and he then got two half-brothers, Richard and Anthony. And Bob... Bob's family and friends talk about how he was really rejected a lot in their town growing up because he was a little mixed boy. Oh, yeah. So he grew up in Nine Mile and his childhood friend named Neville, was later no- who was na- later known as Bunny Whaler, mm-hmm. lived like down the street from him. Okay. By the way, Nine Mile is fucking beautiful. Google this location. It's amazing mm. looking. It looks like paradise. Tropical green. He and his brothers all have like the white, the whitest names. Yeah, because right? it's like Bob. What's it? Richard? So Dick, Bob, Dick, and Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Bob and Bunny started playing music together, kind of as an escape, while in primary and junior school. Because Nine Mile, although beautiful, was like very behind and poor. Oh, they lived like in shacks and stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. At twelve, Marley moved to Kingston, and Marley's mom actually ended up having a daughter with Bunny's dad, which made them like somewhat related. And I, oop. What? It was just kind of cool because they were like best friends. Like yeah. imagine how yeah. fun that must be. Mm. So they all moved together to Kingston in search of a better life. And this just furthered Bob and Bunny's musical explorations together. Okay. Uh, Trenchtown was way more br- vibrant, had a lot more culture for all of them to explore. They started a little vocal group with their friends, Peter Tosh, Beverly Kelso, Junior Braithwaite, and Joe Higgs. Talk about legends. They didn't play instruments. They only focused on like harmony vocals. This is like the, you know, we're getting, we're in the 50s. So yeah. think of like a little vocal group. Mm-hmm. Do wop. Yeah, like do wop. Yeah. Higgs then started teaching Marley to play guitar. And at first their lineup was known as the Teenagers, then the Rude Boys, then the Wailing Wailers, and finally just the Wailers. Mm. The Teenagers is cute. Yeah, that's real cute. They were discovered by producer Coxon Dodd and recorded the single Simadown. <laughs> that became a Jamaican number one hit and sold 70,000 copies. Wow. Then they, I know. Then they started regularly recording for Studio One and immediately began working with top Jamaican musicians. By 1966, the Whalers were a trio of Bob, Bunny, and Peter Tosh. During this time, Trenchtown became increasingly more violent, and the Wailers would often reminisce in their lyrics on the more peaceful days of their youth. When Bob turned 17, his mom left the U.S., and so producer Coxon let Bob basically live in the studio and kind of, like, took care of him. Wait, she left to go live in the U.S.? Yeah, she left to go live and work in the U.S. Oh, okay, to, like, send money back and shit? Yeah, it's not, they're not too clear on that, and, like, 
I don't know, like in Marley, like Rita's the one where you think like she knows the most, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like she doesn't even and Bunny doesn't really talk like he's just like, yeah, she left. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like it was extended to Bob to go or what. Right. Right. Yeah. So in 1966, who I was just talking about, Bob married Rita Anderson, his longtime uh, childhood sweetheart. Rita's dope as fuck. And if you see her in interviews, she talks about how Bob was basically like every girl's dream in Jamaica. Like (laughs) the -hmm. way she described him was like, everybody wanted a tall, skinny black boy. And I got him. So then they did end up moving to Delaware for a short period of time, close to his mom. Wow. During which Bob got a job as a lab assistant on the DuPont lab. What? And then on the okay, assembly, fox catcher. And then on the assembly line at Chrysler. Damn. So, so the, somebody out there has like a fucking Chrysler, Chrysler. three hundred <laughs> assembled by Bob Marley. Bob Marley. <laughs> he and Rita had four children, including two that were adopted from her prior relationships. So with Rita, he adopted Sharon, and then and her daughter Stephanie, and then they had Sedella and son Ziggy and son yeah yeah sorry mm-hmm. Sadella and ziggy um just to get this ra- all wrapped up all at once he had several other women and children <laughs> although he was only ever married to rita yeah and his website officially acknowledges 11 children total the others are robert rohan karen julian kai steven and damien other people claim to be children of bob Mm-hmm. but they were not acknowledged by him or his family. Can't we figure that out now? I mean, I guess you can, but they never have mm-hmm. done it. Rita later came to be one of Bob's backup singers when he got pretty big, and she really delved into his music career. And like I said, they remained married throughout his entire life and obviously bonded, and like she was the mother to his children, even like the children that he ended up having with other women like Mm -hmm. she kind of took on the motherly role yeah um she knew and she acknowledges that he had other women later on and that was really sad actually in the documentary because sadella and ziggy are the ones that are interviewed and they Mm -hmm. talk about how like bob didn't really seem to mind like i mean like whatever he was just like kind of doing his thing but that he would get upset when the kids kind of started to know what was going on oh and then he would calm down again like Mm -hmm. with other women and really like mostly like sadella like the older ones ziggy Mm -hmm. sadella those are like the kids he was closer to i think right i mean if you're ashamed of your behavior then why are you behaving that way because men are trash and in Mm -hmm. this era we like fucking just like enabled men to continue to be trash like right stupid now things are different Mm -hmm. for sure but anyways, yeah, it never was like a monogamous monogamous marriage after his career really took off. Mm-hmm. Other than music, Rasta, and smashing, Bob <laughs> loved soccer. Hey. He played soccer throughout his entire life, wherever the fuck he could. Parking lots, fields, even inside recording studios. He was like a super fan of Pelé. And he loved to surround himself with people from the sport, like local jamaican professional soccer players were like his best friends and shit yeah he always would tell journalists like if you really want to get to know me like come come outside and like join this pickup game real quick Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how 
and so tight and the videos of him playing soccer are like so dope because he wears like the coolest track suits and yeah he just looks badass and i like like when he's like this stage of his career where he has like the shorter sort of like afro dread sort of when he first turns rasta yeah yeah Yeah, so though raised catholic marley became pretty interested in rastafari beliefs in the 1960s once he would like basically like got away from his mom's influence because she was hella catholic uh, after returning to Jamaica, he formally converted to Rasta and began to grow out his dreads. Like you're talking about, this is where we see like young Afro dreads. Yeah, playing like soccer and shit, barefoot. Yeah. Uh, so the Rastafari movement became a key element in the development of reggae and in who Bob Marley was. He was an ardent proponent of Rastafari. Mm-hmm. It basically articulated the well what he thinks he believes that it articulated the feelings of the oppressed people of jamaica and the ideas of african liberation its consciousness is about what your purpose is what your purpose is as a black man Mm -hmm. to be happy and to find peace and love and unity also really emphasizes eating well treating other people well staying healthy and finding identity in your hair (laughs) in your dreads yeah Mix these ideals with Marley's transition into ska and then later reggae. And you have basically Bob Marley, the musician we all know and love. Am I Rastafarian? This sounds like this totally describes me. It's so me. wonderful. It's yeah. so wonderful. Like everything, like this week I was like all obsessed. Like I kept telling him all, like it's so perfect. Like, cause they make it sound so simple too. Like they're like, eat good. You'll feel yeah. good. Right. Exercise. Like your body will be happy. And yeah. like, yeah, just try to be happy. Like, don't don't let like negative thoughts because it's so easy to just be negative. Like, I'm a fucking negative person. So. <laughs> My hair is also very important to me too. So same, and I also like soccer. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, like, and I can speak like Chet Hanks too. All praises <laughs> to the Most High, Jah Rastafari. <laughs> Everything gonna be I. <laughs> Um. Uh, oh, wait what was i gonna tell you about oh it reminds me a little bit of um like of course like these like people who grew up poor in jamaica would cling to this this reminds me of like the wu-tang episode where we we're talking about the five percenters like right when it was like a, a, a something for a black man to like take pride in himself and right you know to lift up your community like of course these dudes were into that yeah and especially when you're part of a community that is poor and you feel kind of lost and yeah yeah like anything to cling to that's positive i mean it's great right so bob wanted his music to give other africans the courage to continue fighting for liberation and unity and obviously we'll get into that because it's like basically most of his career yeah also rasta consider cannabis to be an healing herb a sacrament And an aid to meditation. <laughs> hey, hold up. Let's get healed real quick. <sighs> yeah, see, another thing that I could get behind in terms of Rastafari. <laughs> so Rasta take or smoke cannabis for religious reasons, not just to get high, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Bob Marley smoked a ton of cannabis and even grew some at his house. Not, No big spoilers here. He supported the legalization of the drug and believed that it was very prevalent in the Bible. He believed herb was a vital factor in religious growth and connection with Jah mm-hmm. and as a way to philosophize and become wiser. Do we Same, know? bro. 
<laughs> Do we know if he was uh, a smoker before his conversion to Rastafarianism? He was not. Mm. Rude, nutty roots. Dude, I can't tell you how much Bob Marley I've been listening to this week. And I'm going to keep listening to it. It's funny because I'll my, do it again. Yeah. My brother loves Bob Marley too. And that's like basically like one of the bigger trips he took was to Jamaica and to Nine Mile and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about it this week and like I'm super emotional, right? So I just kept like crying. Like he's such a perfect human. Yeah. And we're like all his quotes are so good. Like there's so many interviews where you know, like they ask him about money and he's like, what what makes me rich? Like material possessions, that right. doesn't make make a man rich. Or like somebody asking him about like being super famous and he's like, I'm just a man, just like you. Like, <laughs> it's just so dope. <laughs> so anyways, Marley and the Whalers started working with music producer Lee Perry, who is a fucking character if you've ever seen him. Yeah, Scratch, Scratch yeah. Perry. Yeah, yeah. He was innovative and creative and super interesting. Just literally Google him, watch some YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Perry didn't want to fuck with ska. He wanted to transition into making more spiritual music for Ja. So like I said, here we saw the emergence of reggae. Mm -hmm. Jamaican popular music slowed the ska and popped down, took out the ska trumpets and saxophones and shit, threw the drums off a beat, kept the guitar breaks, and developed and basically into basically what we know reggae to be. Mm -hmm. Marley and Perry really had a lot of influence on each other. And Perry says like really wonderful things about Bob because they ended up splitting over recording rights pretty early on in their careers, Mm -hmm. but they kept working together throughout. And um, Perry, like you could tell he really loved Bob. And he says like, I carry Bob with me like through this day. He like, he's the light in me, all these wonderful things. Is he still with us? Yeah, he is. Hmm. Marley then approached top producer Leslie Kong, who is the one who's believed to really have developed the reggae sound and along and uh, combined the Wailers vocals with the slowed down sound. Those songs then became the album The Best of the Wailers, mm-hmm. including Stop That Train, Caution, Soon Come, yeah. Cheer Up, a bunch of like little reggae jams. Stop That Train. That I think the what's underrated about that whaler sound just like if you listen to like their live recordings it's just like god damn like a perfect band it's crazy how fucking talented they are yeah the harmonies and the background singers like god the drumming like it's just it's amazing it's perfect Yeah. yeah this cd dominated dance halls but was pretty slow to get radio play mm-hmm In 1968, Bob then went to visit songwriter Jimmy Norman in the Bronx just to jam. Mm -hmm. Jimmy had written some extended lyrics for the song Time Is On My Side, that Rolling Stone cover, and had also written some songs for Jimi Hendrix. So he and Bob jammed together and recorded a 24-minute tape, which is super rare and more pop than reggae, but pretty interesting to listen to. Hmm. They wanted to use it to break Marley into the U.S. charts, Marley then signed with CBS Records in London and went on a mini UK tour with soul singer Johnny Nash. This was weird because he wasn't really well known outside of Jamaica. So he was kind of just opening for this guy. But he was like out there putting himself out there, basically like trying to make it as a musician. Yeah. After the Whalers returned to Kingston to Harry J's studio and recorded their album Catch a Fire. 
It's seen as the first time a reggae band really had access to real state-of-the-art studio and composition equipment like famous rock and rollers of the time. That probably made a huge difference. Just like, not necessarily in the, obviously, yes, in the quality of the music, but just like on how serious people took it as a genre. For sure. Yeah, yeah. no. And if it's going to make, just like having access to better equipment is just going to make you sound better. Like, yeah. you know, it's I think it's like awesome. people who are not familiar with reggae would also be more likely to play it on the radio or something if it just like sounds better of course so that album was released worldwide in april 1973 and it was packaged more like a rock and roll record with a zippo on the cover a zippo lighter i love that cover yeah it's dope it was very positively received by critics and followed later that year by the album burn in which included the song i shot the sheriff Mm mm-hmm Eric Clapton got a hold of that album and he was super into it. Immediately covered I Shot the Sheriff, which became his first US hit since Layla two years prior. Wow. I, I do I love that cover. It's good, but fuck Eric Clapton. But yeah, uh-huh. yeah, fuck cover. Eric Clapton. <laughs> you don't fuck with immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna steal him. some shit from Bob Marley to try to make it back. Fuck you, yeah. bro. In 1972, Michael Manley became prime minister of Jamaica as the leader of the People's National Party. He was a popular leader who was really outspoken about the broken class systems in Jamaica. He was a proponent of an egalitarian society, a.k.a. he was hella socialist, a.k.a. we would see the opposition labeling him as a communist because that's what happens. Yeah. More on that later. So the Whalers were then coming off this album and the success of I Shot the Sheriff, both their own version and the cover from Clapton, which got them hella more fans. Right. And they got hired by Sly and the Family Stone to open at 17 of their U.S. tour dates. They're making all the right moves. They were fired after four shows because they were instantly more popular than Sly and the Family Stone. Oop. In 1974, the Whalers disbanded and they each sought their own solo careers. Basically, the other members of the band were saying that they were super unhappy being on tour. They hated eating shitty food, living out of a car. Yeah. But Bob was the one that really pushed them to do that stuff. And he was willing to make those sacrifices while everybody else was like, they just wanted to go back home. Yeah. So it just didn't work out. Bob still recorded as Bob Marley and the Whalers, basically, following the split. He had his first international breakthrough hit in 1975 with his live version of No Woman, No Cry. His breakthrough album, Rasta Man Vibration, followed in 1976, and now he's basically big time. Like, super big time. He was selling out every club he played at, every fucking festival he joined. Hmm. In 1976... Prime Minister Michael Manley was going to be opposed by Edward Siga in the upcoming election. Edward called for a return to capitalism. He was the leader of the conservative opposition party, the Labour Party. He hella labeled Michael as a communist and believed that Michael was out to turn the country into a complete socialist state. Which we hear that all the time, right? Yeah. Sounds familiar. <laughs> This created a lot of hostility and tension between the two political parties within Jamaica. 
And this isn't like Twitter fingers we see in the U.S. These people were out in the streets fucking fighting, shooting at each other. Yeah, violently protesting, vocalizing their frustration with the other's systems. Like, they took this shit personally. Which you should. I mean, you should, yeah. but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this violent. Kingston ended up just becoming a war zone, and you were basically going to be on the side of whatever pit- political party you supported. Mm-hmm. Gangs even stepped in and started straight up having showdowns with protesters in the street. Damn. Welcome to John Ruck, where people are dead at random. It's fucked up. So where do the Rastafari stand amongst all this appeal, you know, with their ideals? Rastafari stands alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in the middle. (laughs) Bob was basically a very politically engaged figure, and he was seen as such. So he saw that there was a lot of danger in that position as well. Yeah. What what about this pressure, though? Like, because, you know, now he's like one of the biggest stars in Jamaica, if not the biggest star of in jamaica at this time so it's like people are looking to him to say something do something you know like, yeah ugh. he ba- he basically continued to stand as a political neutral mm-hmm. while still being political which is like a fucking art form like yeah. i like i just thinking about that walking that line is like insane right. it's like being the queen or some shit yeah his statement was about basically like walking between the parties opposing all the violence opposing the political violence and police violence Mm -hmm. and calling for unity that's like what he always talked about so chris blackwell who was in the music scene with bob ended up selling his home and company headquarters at 56 hope road to marley 56 hope road became like mecca to them Mm -hmm. it was marley's house and office it was also down the street from the office of the prime minister. Damn. It was like the headquarters of reggae music and became this super important cultural location. Reminded me of Andy Warhol's factory. Yeah. Abbey Road. You know, yeah. Abbey Road. Like there's so many places like that where like culture just fucking is like. Yeah. Fucking coming out the seams and shit. Right. Marley invited everyone to come up to 56 Hope Road. Like. Anybody, ghetto kids, fellow musicians. There's fucking pictures of George Harrison kicking it, playing soccer with local Rasta and shit. Mm -hmm. He allowed everyone to enter and basically bring downtown uptown in order to petrify the upper middle class. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, that's how you make the best art. Like, it has to be a mix of everything. Everybody has to be in there somehow. Yeah, you have to be a part of a community still. Otherwise, you're going to become, like, disengaged. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like, remember that? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I remember the joke. Is it like Chris Rock or or I don't know who does it where they're like, once you get rich, it's like you can't be funny anymore because it's like Mm -hmm. you try to like identify with your audience. But you're like, man, don't you hate it when you're made something like, you know, it's Ellen. Is that Ellen who says that? Yeah, it's Ellen. Really? Yeah, it was. That was basically her whole last special. Really? Mm hmm. I want to say I saw a black man do that joke. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to take it past Ellen. Ellen, a black man, Kevin Hart. No, I wouldn't take it past her to fucking steal that from someone. (laughs) Anyway, so this, like, just the whole idea and, like, the lifestyle of 56 Hope Road was seen as a huge political statement on the part of Bob. Oh, yeah. So now Bob wanted to put together. It's like how we talk about drag queens. Like there's like so, there are some drag queens who are like, oh, I'm apolitical or whatever. But 
hello, like your existence is political. Yeah, like you, you, you can't. And I feel for them because, well, I mean, I feel for Bob because in his situation, it was dangerous. Right. But yeah, like you, you get to a point where you have a responsibility to mm-hmm. kind of voice yourself. Okay. So now with all this drama in Jamaica, with so much drama in the LBC, <laughs> Bob thought that he wanted to put together a free concert and he met with the prime minister in order to discuss the plan. This was then interpreted as a political endorsement of Michael Manley because they basically announced this free show and then two weeks later, Michael Manley announced that general elections were going to follow. I see. Yeah. So so it made it look like Bob was performing for the People's National Party. Yeah. And Michael Manley absolutely finessed that shit on purpose because he knew that Bob was a gigantic pull for voters. Mm-hmm. Bob was immediately met with death threats and he was immediately placed under 24-7 protection. Finally, after too many tensions rose over the concert, the government decided to pull it. A few days later, three men came to 56 Hope Road to ask Bob why he had canceled the show. Bob stepped out to talk to them, and Rita says that she could hear Bob telling these three men, sometimes people love you so much that they want to kill you. Mm. A few nights after that, on December 3rd, 1976, kids, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say kids, but some people crept into 56 Hope Road directly to the recording studio area and started rapid gunfire inside the house. Oh, God. After a few moments of rapid gunfire, everything came still, stopped, and everyone stood still. Rita came out with blood spewing down her face, mm-hmm. and Bob was found lying in a pool of blood next to his friend and manager, Don Taylor. Don had stood in between Bob and the shooters and took several gunshots to his back. Bob was able to walk outside and was escorted by police minutes later to the hospital. He had been shot like past the abdomen. It basically like grazed his abdomen and went straight into his arm. Wow. At the time, people were saying that this was the doing of the opposition, like the other party, Edward Sega's party, Mm -hmm. the CIA, gangsters, gambling debts all these fucking theories came out mm-hmm. apparently bob's best friend had recently fled jamaica because of some heavy gambling debts that he had and allegedly bob was paying off those gambling debts but slowly like oh. for his friends so everybody was like oh they fucking shot him for that it was just all sorts of shit that shit you know? makes no sense though because if he's paying it then like why yeah, do you want to kill the person that's paying it exactly i think like ziggy says that like he's yeah. like why would they want to kill him like if he was gonna you know right So Don and Rita were the most affected by the shootings. Don was immediately in critical condition and Rita was hurt, but was actually going to be okay. Like, I think she had been shot, like grazed her ear or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's scary. I know. Don ended up pulling through too. So luckily and amazingly, there were no deaths. There used to be like icons that were killed. killed. All the time. Oh, God. It makes me think about Megan, who's in the news again this week. Megan? The stallion. Oh, okay. Sorry. I yeah. was like... Yeah, like... Yeah, I know. That we could have lost Meg. That. I know. On December 5th, 1976, Bob Marley was set to play that free show for the Jamaican people. Still? That had, that had been canceled. Oh, remember? okay. Uh-huh. But then, like, everybody just basically rallied after the shooting, and, like, a bunch of bands got together, and they were like, oh, we're going to do this shit. Uh-huh. 
Rita was super concerned and still weak from the shooting and urged him not to play for fear of his life. And Bob was fucking exhausted. He had been shot at. He was scared. And he really didn't know what to do. But he knew that above everything, when good music play, you don't feel no pain. (laughs) People lined up like the entire road trying to get close to this stage, thinking that Bob might perform. Mm Mm-hmm. And when they got word that Bob was really going to show up, the crowd grew from 5,000 to 90,000 people. Damn. Nobody really wanted to play. (laughs) Right. But Bob basically told everybody, like, we got to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. this this isn't political. This is more than than politics. Like, we need to do this for these people. So he committed to playing two songs at the very end of the show. But once he got there, started feeling the energy and everything, he ended up playing for over an hour. Wow. 48 hours after an assassination attempt, Bob Marley performed what a lot of people consider to be the best concert of his life. Like, at one point, he opens his shirt to show, like, his bandages and shit where Mm -hmm. he was shot. And he was just, like, instantly the hero of Jamaica. Yeah. That's amazing. Until Chet Hanks, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Let us not forget. (laughs) Chet Hanks, Usain Bolt. (laughs) Bob I Marley. love you, Saint <laughs> I love that he named his daughter Lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's adorable. That's so fucking cute. The day after the concert, Bob left Jamaica. Smart. Yeah, he was. He basically was scared. He didn't feel comfortable anymore in his own house. And this happened while he was under like Secret Service type protection. Yeah. So it's like you are not safe there. No. He also thought, well, I could spread my like my message, my love to other people of the world. And so he ended up spending what he called two years in exile. Mm -hmm. But back in Jamaica, Michael Manley was reelected shortly after the concert. The middle class basically deserted the island and there became a scarcity of essentials. As the scarcity worsened, violence worsened. And that that violence is basically what kept Marley out for so long because he had only intended on leaving for a little bit, but he Mm -hmm. ended up leaving for years. Bob really liked London. Also, he liked that police didn't carry guns and he found like his own scene. He ended up thriving out there. And there's hella like Jamaicans up there. Yeah. And he took all his homie, like his whole ass crew, his soccer ball and his family. (laughs) So he was cool. He poured himself into his music He didn't feel like he had to keep looking over his shoulder. Like, finally, he could rest, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And while he was there, he recorded just this little album. I don't know if you heard of it. Exodus. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Exodus. And Kaya. Mm. Exodus was fucking gigantic. It's it's one of the best albums ever. Yeah. It has Exodus, Mm -hmm. Jammin', One Love, Waiting in Vain. It was named Time Magazine's Album of the Century. Oh, oh, that's a fucking insane. The yeah. century, man. The century. <laughs> the whole last century. The whole last century. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in Jamaica, Michael Manley became chummy with Fidel Castro. Mm-hmm. And the nosy U.S. was suddenly backing Edward Sega for re-election uh, in Jamaica. Uh, uh-huh. Bob was fucking convinced the CIA was looking into him and plot they twist. He was were. right. Yeah. He was right. They were, yeah. The CIA approached several of his friends to try to get information from Marley, um, including Jimmy Cliff, who gets um, interviewed in the documentary. And he said that they were asking him, like, what political parties are 
are like your friends associated uh-huh. with that like we can offer you like whatever whatever and jimmy cliff said he told the cia guy fuck you rasta don't work for no cia <laughs> That's tight. Yeah, and the CIA was all up in Jamaica monitoring the cooperation between Cuban intelligence and the Jamaican government. Anytime Fidel is involved with some other government, the U.S. is fucking there. Right, right. If Jamaica was set to become the next Cuba, the U.S. thought they needed to stop that. Mm -hmm. Edward Siga publicly denied any involvement or discussions with the CIA to take down Marley, but obviously. So basically, it looks like Edward Siga, what he did is he had people that would deal with their people. So, yeah, he didn't directly deal with the CIA, but Mm -hmm. he did, you know? Okay. Without being implicated, he did. Right. That's that's how you've got to keep your hands clean. Right. Okay, so in 1977, Bob had a malignant melanoma discovered under the nail of a toe. Urban legend says that this was caused by an injury in a soccer match, but it was actually a symptom of this already existing cancer. Mm-hmm. So someone stepped on Bob's toe while playing soccer and it hurt, but he just kept playing until finally like it, he couldn't take it. Then he went to the hospital to get it checked out. He saw two doctors before a biopsy was made, which confirmed the most severe kind of skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Acral lentiginous melanoma. Lentiginous mm-hmm. yeah. melanoma. Unlike other skin cancer, this type occurs in places that the sun doesn't even really hit, like on the soles of your feet or under toenails. Mm -hmm. It is the commonest type of melanoma in people with darker complexions, and it is not recognized, not widely recognized, probably having to do with the fact that it affects mostly people with darker complexions. Right. And at this time, it wasn't even mentioned in the most popular medical textbook. Wow. The doctors that Bob saw in England told him that he needed to cut off at least his toe, but maybe his entire leg. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people started telling Rob, uh, telling Bob, um, you know, oh, you're not going to be able to dance or perform. You're not going to be able to play soccer anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was just unacceptable to him. That was everything to him. And it's his whole life. That's his whole identity. You might as yeah. well chop off his dreads. Right. Bob was then arrested for possession of cannabis in 1978, and he was finally like, fuck London, and wanted to move back to Jamaica. (laughs) He was approached to perform at the political concert One Love Peace, which was being set up to try and calm warring political parties. Okay. The concert had been put together by the official government peace committee. By now, the violence in Jamaica had become overwhelmingly brutal, and nothing mattered more to Bob than the Jamaican people in his community. Yeah. He was outspokenly denying support for either political party and only supported Rasta unification and peace, like mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. But also he was fucking scared. And I don't really think he was ready to go back to Jamaica, but he felt kind of like his time in London had ended yeah. and his people needed him. Mm-hmm. So he finally agreed to play the show under one condition. Rival politicians Michael Manley and Edward Sega would join each other on stage and shake hands at the end of his set. They did, and then Bob embraced them both as well, and this became this fucking gigantic political moment, and the fact that Bob had orchestrated it was just, like, fucking phenomenal. Right. Like, of course, he came back to Jamaica and pulled this shit off. Yeah. The concert itself was a huge success, 
And you could really tell that people were fucking tired. They were tired of that violence. They really believed in this movement and they wanted to find peace for their country and for their families again. That's what they deserve. Shit. Yeah. And obviously nothing was fixed overnight because this isn't a U.S. world history textbook. <laughs> the war continued on. Sega won the next election with great support from Reagan. Mm. In 1979, Marley released the album Survival with the tracks Zimbabwe, uh -huh. <laughs> Africa, Unite. Sounds <laughs> so good. And uh, Wake Up and Lives mm -hmm. on It. It reflected Marley's support for the struggles of Africans. He was a pan-Africanist who believed in the unity of African people worldwide. A lot of his songs covered these types of themes. He wanted independence of all African countries from European dominance. And he had a desire for all Africans to come together and fight against Babylon. Hey. He urged for that unity between all Africans within and outside of Africa. People would line up at his house at Hope Road looking for work or even just handouts or just a glimpse of Bob for some fucking hope because the situation was so dire. The song Zimbabwe, by the way, was really embraced by the people of Zimbabwe. That's, I mean, that's the best case scenario. That song is so fucking good, man. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny? I was going to ask you, but then I was like, why would I even? I, like, do you have a favorite Bob song? Like, there is I, no, you know that phrase where it's like, I could no sooner choose a star from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> like, every song is so good to me. Uh, I don't have a favorite, but I like, uh, like, there's certain vibes that I like. Like, I like war. Mm. Um, I also, so war is probably my favorite political song. And then, like, my favorite love song is Waiting in Vain. I love Waiting in Vain. And then probably, I like, Stir It Up. Yes, steer it up. It up. Like that, that's probably like one of my favorite like uh, roots ones. So I have like my my favorite of like the different types of his songs. Yeah, no, it's it's like impossible. It's impossible though. Like, could you imagine trying to say just one? No right. way. Yeah. So Zimbabwe sent representatives to Jamaica to please to ask Bob, please, would you perform at our Independence Day celebration? And what they really wanted to talk to him about was like the costs of all of this because they really didn't think they could afford it. Mm -hmm. Bob paid for all of his own equipment to be shipped to Zimbabwe. He paid for the entire show on his own. He didn't take any fucking money wow. for it. Dignitaries from around the fucking world traveled to the show and ceremony, including some fucked up footage of skinny ass Prince Charles washed ass <laughs> shaking hands with these Zimbab Zimbabwe uh, officials. 90,000 people couldn't even get into the show because it was so fucking packed and they were waiting outside. Waiting in vain. Freedom fighters <laughs> flattened the fence and then everybody just fucking packed like the whole area. That's what's up. For a while, tear gas started getting thrown on the audience and Bob was fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't move from the stage and his band like all took off. Like they were like, fuck this. Like it's going to get wild. But Bob was like, fuck no, like, get your asses back on here. <laughs> and they finished the performance once the drama had died down. It's like that scene in Selena. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> Como la flor. <laughs> By this time, Bob's doctors were urging that he have his toe amputated to combat the cancer. Mm-hmm. 
but this would obviously have hindered his performing career and citing his religious beliefs as well he refused to undergo the treatment mm. according to his family he got a lot of bad advice from a lot of people around him i bet everybody got a fucking opinion when you're sick dude everybody has a fucking opinion about everything like yeah there, there's things where i'm like i'm not gonna stop telling people because <laughs> I, I really don't want to know like right. I got, i'm gonna make my own decision so why i'm even gonna get myself upset anyways they ended up removing just the nail and the nail bed and used a skin graft from his thigh to cover that area uh-huh he immediately continued touring and was in the process of scheduling a world tour following the procedure his final studio album was Uprising in 1980. It's seen as his most religious production, including the songs Redemption Song mm-hmm. and We'll Be Forever Loving okay. Ja. That might be my favorite one, too. I got so many favorites. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, Redemption Song is oh, come a on. name. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yeah. In the documentary, like, they play it, like, and I don't know if they've, like, just, like, toned in on his vocals and the, like nothing else and like uh-huh. video of nine mile and shit and i yeah. was dying i was like oh my god <laughs> damn we did not have bob marley for that long as an artist no and this not is his long fin- at all. 1980 is his final studio album and the first studio album was like what 70 uh yeah i think the first whalers album might have been like 60 here let me just go back a second so the first Whalers album looks like we're in like nineteen sixty-seven. That's the Whalers though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then the first Bob solo album is nineteen seventy-five. So yeah, I mean fifteen years of like Jesus. straight Bob. Wow. No, sorry, fifteen, five. Five years. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> uprising okay let's see after he released uprising he completed a major tour of europe including the biggest concert of his life to a hundred thousand people in milan italy we in milan (laughs) eating spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) after the tour marley went to the united states and performed two sold-out shows at madison square garden with the commodores Mm -hmm. it's really cute the commodores talk about he was supposed to like open for them <laughs> and that they were like, no, like <laughs> yeah. he can't open for us. Like right. it's gotta be just like double headline. Like he's Bob Marley. Like, do you guys know <laughs> who the fuck you're talking about? Like that's a weird combination too. Yeah. I have a, I had a professor in college that went to one of those shows. That's awesome. While in New York, Bob collapsed while jogging up a hill in central park. Mm-hmm. He began shaking on the ground and was taken to the hospital where it was discovered that his cancer had spread to his brain, lungs, and liver. Basically, Uh, everywhere. Yeah. It was shocking to the physicians that he had been working actively while this was ongoing and jogging. Like, they were like, what the fuck? Yeah. But he's super healthy, like, by Mm -hmm. any other means, you know? Yeah. They were told that there was no treatment left for him and he could not be helped. Bob was absolutely devastated his friends and family said that at that time a lot of them had even forgotten about the toe problem because he had been like basically fine right it was discovered then that he hadn't even been going in for checkups on it oh no like he was supposed he was supposed to be following up but he wasn't yeah two days later marley performed his final concert at stanley theater in pittsburgh pennsylvania 
He was in very low spirits and super stressed out. After the show, his health quickly deteriorated as the cancer had spread throughout his body, and the band was advised that the rest of the tour was going to be canceled. Marley sought treatment in Germany via an alternative cancer center based partly on the avoidance of certain foods, drinks, and substances. Ugh. I know. <laughs> I, I want to, like, hold in my disgust for this, but... Uh, I'm not. Uh, I could, man. Yeah, like... It, as if it would have that fucking easy. Like, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Just eat your broccoli. Like, no, bro. I'm talking to you, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Remember he did that shit? Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, he tried to Let chemo. me tell you something else about Steve Jobs. Just <laughs> And now that I'm thinking about it, because this always pisses me off. So, he tried that fucking bullshit for a long time, and it wasn't working. Did so that then, one, it spread everywhere? Yeah. And then, so they were like, okay, you're going to need a transplant, right? Of so, what? Uh, I think it was his liver. No. Yeah, of his liver or some shit. So, you're going to need a liver transplant. It might not have been. Anyway, whatever. He needed a transplant. So... Because, like, it had been so far gone and he had, you know, tried this alternative therapy for so long, he was going to be low on the donors list here yeah, in California. Yeah, because why would they give it to him? Right, exactly. So then this motherfucker buys property in, like, five states to get on, like, five different donors lists to get to Man. the top. To get to I the didn't top. know that. To wherever he finally got his fucking transplant from. Like, ugh. It's just, like, that's so fucking disgusting to me. He is a shitty guy. Like, the whole thing with yeah. his daughter is really yeah. shitty. Yeah. yeah. Lisa? Know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know about all that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I mean... All right, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, eventually, Bob tried chemo, and this caused his dreadlocks to fall out, which was a crazy low emotional point for Bob. Yeah. His, that's his whole identity. Yeah. Ziggy and Sadella said that that was the first time they had ever seen their dad without hair, and they were, like, both kind of like, oh. Like, it yeah. kind of, like, hit them, like, oh, daddy's sick. Right. Then he had a stroke, which left him unable to grip his guitar. Oh, God. And after eight months of failing to treat the advancing cancer, the hospital said that there was no more they could do for him, and they gave him three weeks to live. Send him home. Yeah, Marley decided to go home to Jamaica, but his vital functions were really not doing good on flights, so they ended up going to Miami instead. Mm -hmm. He landed in Miami on May 8th, 1981, and he was taken to the University of Miami Hospital for, uh, I'm sorry, University of Miami Hospital for immediate medical attention. Rita and all of his kids were there. Bob Marley then passed away on May 11th, 1981, at the age of 36, due to the spread of melanoma to his lungs and brain. What? 36 years? That's not that far away from us. No, 36 is... 36 is insane. Like, that's an insanely short life. Especially consider somebody who had, like, the biggest impact on, like, Jamaican music and... On the politics, world in even general. yeah, the world, yeah. Someone whose message like is so loud and clear to this day, like it's insane. Yeah. Ziggy said that he, when he was at the hospital, he had been like peeking through the windows, like uh, on his tippy toes, to see his dad. And then yeah. his his dad called him into the hospital room. He was like, "Come over here," and that uh, he laid with him on the bed and sang to him for a bit, for a bit. And then Bob, Bob's. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bob Marley's final words famously were to his son Ziggy when he said, Money can't buy life. Fuck. Uh, uh, I mean, the truth, right? Yeah, I mean, 
And mm. Steve Jobs tried. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Bob Marley had a state funeral in Jamaica on May 21st, 1981, and was buried in a chapel near his grandfather's farm along with his guitar, a Bible, a soccer ball, and a joint. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> Everything gonna be iron. Jamaican Prime Minister Edward Sega delivered the final eulogy to Marley, saying that he was a part of the collective consciousness of the nation of Jamaica. Yeah. Bob Marley's music continues to be upheld in indigenous communities. He's evolved into a global system. I'm sorry, global system. <laughs> global symbol of mm. freedom, unity, and love, which is all he really wanted. And that's the story of Bob Marley. And everything was Irie. Everything was Irie at the end. How come? Why do you think we haven't had another Bob Marley? And do you think there we'll can't have? Be. No, there can't be. He is one and only. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, although the he has you know eleven plus children who will who try to take Ziggy. up that mantle. I really love Ziggy, and I like. I like his message and the way that he spreads it, which is different than his dad. Obviously, he can't spread it the same way. Right. Different situations. Sorry if you hear this. Yes. <laughs> Bruno's crying. <laughs> <laughs> is Bruno crying or is Holwell crying? They're both crying. They're just both crying to be seeing each other. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, I like Ziggy a lot. I like Ziggy. I like Damien. I don't like Damien and Steven as much, but yeah, I like them. They're all right. Steven got like two songs. Yeah. Uh, Rohan fucked up Lauren Hill, so I don't fuck with Rohan. Seriously. <laughs> Isn't that so sad, man? It's too, it's too short. Imagine like what he would have continued to say or like in moments of hopelessness in this world. What, uh, what year was he born in? 40? 1945. That's like um, Robert De Niro's age or some shit. Like, oh, really? Yeah. You know, the, this is someone who presumably could have still been with us right now. For sure. Probably. I mean, someone who was otherwise so <laughs> lived a very healthy lifestyle. Like Ziggy was talking about like, like, you know, like their life really revolved around like being healthy, like through and through, like with your food mm -hmm. and your exercise and your mind yeah, and like yeah, your yeah. heart and everything. So yeah. he's like, you know, we would wake up and. Uh, our dad would take us running on the beach and then we'd like go swimming yeah and then we'd like come home and eat and then like play soccer and like we're always just like always active like always yeah. live that kind of a lifestyle this is someone who we could have had for uh, i mean so far another 40 years who could have done god knows how much more good in the world and good for jamaica yeah true yeah yeah i was hello was saying that too like god they make people kind of make it seem like he was like a lifetime ago, but he was, I mean, it was like the eight, like 1980 when he died, you know? Yeah. Like, not that yeah. long ago. Hmm. Yeah. We like to pretend like the past is a lot farther away than it was. Yeah. You know, but mm, it's not. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, that was this week's Drama Club. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Drama Club Pod and on the website dramaclubpod.com. On the hotline, 505-539-0556. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> give us some money. Give me some money. <laughs> hey, dirty. Give us some money. And uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday with a brand new Afternoon Delight episode. Bye. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.